Who wants to come clean clean about the cricket? Wasn't me. Yeah, I had nothing to do with it. <laughs> well, who wants to tell the story since it was a prank on me? Yes. Uh, well, I can. I guess I can okay. share. It was uh, someone else in our office did per- decided to do an April Fool's prank on Fran. Which, and, um, because it was April Fool's was a Saturday, yeah, they did, it they did it on, on a Friday. Friday. And, uh, yeah, so they got a a little cricket sound speaker thing. Yeah. That's like and just it was like makes small the noise and portable every- and make the noise like every so often and uh, and put it near Fran's desk. And Fran didn't say anything about it. So then they, <laughs> then they put it under his phone. And, um, and Fran still didn't say anything about it. So I started saying something about it. To drive everyone else crazy, and then uh, then I got a message saying, "Hey, can I put it in your podcast studio before you go and record?" I said, "I think that was a good idea." So, <laughs> so I guess I was in cahoots, but um, yeah, I didn't have anything to do with it. So it wasn't so, a real cricket, it w- yeah. but the, it made for entertaining yeah. podcast. And the best part was then she snuck it in your your computer bag, yeah, my <laughs> laptop bag. You're bringing it home. So the funny thing is. The laptop bag, I hit traffic on the way home. Had I not hit traffic, it wouldn't have gone off in my car. Mm-hmm. So I'm almost home, and I hear the cricket in my car, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> you're kidding me. So I, I'm, as I'm driving, I'm rooting through the bag, and I found the speaker. And I was thinking, had I not hit traffic, I would have made it home, and I keep the laptop bag in my bedroom closet. So that would have been going <laughs> off. I would have been ripping my closet apart looking for a cricket later in the day had it had i not hit traffic so it was almost like a perfect plan but mm-hmm. it yeah. got it yeah. got nixed anyway what do you have not a cricket <laughs> but today i do have a deciduous shrub all right that's 15 to 25 foot tall most often seen in the wild as 8 to 10 foot tall it's 10 to 15 foot wide Native to central and eastern portions of the U.S. and Canada. Very specific today. And the wetland indicator status is facultative upland. My, my question is, does this produce an edible fruit? Ooh, that's a good question. It <clears throat> does not. Oh, oh. <laughs> it was well, not a good question. Well, you <laughs> well know, it was a good question. I was thinking, I was yeah. thinking, not that because, human edible, at least. Oh. Like I was thinking, I think we were thinking along the same lines yeah. of what the plant might be. So I appreciated that. Uh, I'm gonna go with, uh, what is the flower? Uh, female flowers. Wait, they are greenish yellow, fragrant, and inconspicuous. Okay. All right. Um, oh, but that's not a facultative a plant. Were you thinking spice bush? No, I was thinking inkberry holly. <clears throat> but that's a, a fac wet, I think. I think it's fac. Or it might be fac wet, it's but it's not, not the pine. It's, it's not, not fac up, up no. Yeah. Um, Which leaves me stumped. So fragrant. Inconspicuous flower, greenish. I I want to think for a second. Um, we've done that plant. Yeah, I have uh, no idea. Yeah, 
It's something we don't grow. I'm, I, I'm nope. guessing. Yeah. Um, which, which means I'm probably not going to know it anyway. <laughs> uh, alpine currant, Ribes alpinum. It is common prickly ash. Oh, Fran has a, a long, long history with this plant. <laughs> You're listening to A Native Plant Every Day with Tom and Fran. Happy Monday. Welcome back to a new week of A Native Plant Every Day with Tom and Fran. I am Fran. And I'm Tom. And I'm Christiane. And today's plant is Xanthoxylum americanum, which is common prickly ash, or also known as also known as uh, toothache tree. Uh, Tom, how familiar are you with this one? Um, not at all. The, the only <laughs> the only uh, familiarity I have with this plant is a running joke we have in the office. But I'm thinking I don't even know if that's a it a was, real story. It is. Someone had called and couldn't pronounce it. They were not Amer- They weren't English speaking, mm-hmm. so they were having trouble pronouncing prickly ash. Yeah. You could imagine what they were saying. But the, the joke was they kept asking if we had them 18 to 24 inch tall. And I was like, no, we don't we don't grow it. And then they're like, oh, well, do you have it one and a half to two foot tall? <laughs> like, <laughs> like they were trying to trick me. Oh, like, oh, yes. That's, it's like, no, we, we still don't have it. And that's the same size. <laughs> like that's – it was just – that was real. That was probably like 15 years ago. Yeah. But it yeah. was just – and then the, the – the person kept calling back asking like it was like three conversations of different ways asking for the same plant at the same size that we don't grow. Yeah. And the legend still lives. The legend gets brought up all the time. So it does. It does. So, uh, as we mentioned earlier, it is a, uh, shrub that it gets 15 to 25 foot tall, 10 to 15 foot wide, but most often seen in the wild as 8 to 10 foot tall. I kind of feel like that would have been very good information like with the Corliss uh, last week. That would have been good information. The, what, what part? That? I don't, like most often seen in the wild at this size. You mean the information that she included? For this <laughs> one, but she didn't include it when we did hazelnut. <laughs> I thought she, you were complaining she didn't include no, it. This no, 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 no. Like yeah. that would have been most helpful yeah, yeah. In with other plants as well. Well, I didn't find it last time. So. Oh, all right. Okay. It, it does have a wetland indicator status, a facultative upland, native to central and eastern portions of the U.S. and Canada, and it is a deciduous shrub of the – Rataceae family, which is citrus. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, the leaves are alternate compound, uh, odd pinnate, and dark green, and they grow to about one inch long and have five to 11 leaflets each. The bark of the trunk and larger branches is gray to brown and fairly smooth, and old large shrubs it become shallowly furrowed with a wrinkly, uh, wrinkled appearance. The stems and leaves have sharp prickles, uh, about a half inch long, and this is a dioecious plant. Okay, so the flowers appear in axillary clusters on old wood. It does bloom in April, and the flowers are greenish-yellow, fragrant, fragrant, and inconspicuous. The female flowers give way to clusters of rounded, reddish-brown, berry-like fruits, which mature in late summer. Well, what was the question you asked? Did you ask if it fruits, if it was fruit-bearing? An edible fruit. Yeah. Oh, you asked I if that was asked so. okay. fruit. Okay, all right. She... She's really good at yeah. deciphering what information to give. Um, it is easily grown in average, medium, well-drained soils in full sun to part shade, and it does tolerate poor soils, and it does 
really it doesn't have any serious insect or disease problems. Yeah, so uh, it freely colonizes by root suckers to form dense thickets. Uh, it spreads through that shallow root system, and um, some of the it, insect visitors it has are honeybees, bumblebees, cuckoo bees, mason bees, house how I always mess that one up. Halicted bees. Yeah, that sounds better. Uh, and, and then adrenid bees. I don't even know how many times I tried to say halicted <laughs> bees the wrong way. I don't even know if that's even right. I'm just, that's how. You were going to think their, their CD player was skipping and then realized. Oh, this is a podcast. It's, you know those games, uh, Fran? There's like drinking games like this, all kinds of games where yeah. you, where each person has to like um there's the, that game sink the boat where you like oh, pour yeah. a little bit more beer in the glass yeah. with the shot glasses yes. floating until the shot glass sinks um is that how you play it or I, you, there's ones where you overflow yeah. it yes. there's all different stuff like that i feel like we play this game <laughs> every time with like just going through the facts just just doing just enough to make the other person read the hard words i you know i honestly don't look that far ahead but it is kind of like tic-tac-toe like yeah. if you do the right move once yeah. it seems to line up where like if i if i pick the right one i'm gonna win yeah, like to start. Like I don't do it on purpose, but it just lines up. Yeah. Just and there's only two lines about the roots and how it suckers. So I'm going to start doing the. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to chip into the the insects too. Um, it's a plant, or it's a food plant for larvae of the giant swallowtail butterfly, uh, the thoas swallowtail, and the spicebush swallowtail. And considerable defoliation may occur some years. Um, now, Fran, why don't you tell us about the fruits and uh, and how edible they are? <laughs> <laughs> so the fruits are consumed by birds, small mammals, including bobwhite quail, red-eyed vireo, and eastern chipmunk, and the tannins may reduce gut iron absorption, possible nervous system stimulation. Uh, excessive ingestion may interfere with anticoagu- anticoagulant therapy. I know how to say that when I just couldn't spit it out. Um it is called the toothache tree because Native Americans chewed the bark or fruits for relief from toothache pain. Mm, almost like it's edible. Almost. Almost, yeah. yeah. You asked if the fruit was edible. Yeah. It just said it just they chew the, bark, the or bark or fruit oh. yeah. to cure toothaches. Mm. Listen, uh, I'll be honest. <laughs> if you said edible fruit, it would have just steered me in a oh, whole different direction. Yeah, <laughs> I was... I'm actually embarrassed because this is a plant that I know of. But I don't know it well, and I'm kind of ashamed that I haven't looked more into it. The, after for, the for, years. After the, the years. years and years of joking about it, like I haven't like researched it. To Like given that it's a, a host plant and all mm. all the great attributes this has, I'm even thinking about the pricklies to, to keep it as a border, to keep yeah. – you know, if you oh, wanted yeah. to like – it doesn't say anything about deer, so I'm yeah. wondering if it's deer resistant, but just as a if, border around the property. If you want, Fran, I can even tell you about some of the other uh, wonderful benefits of this plant. I would love um, that. Fran you, might be familiar you? with them. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's also prepared uh, a variety of medicinal decoctions from the bark and roots for treatment for such problems as fever, coughs, rheumatism, external wounds, and uh, and then, of course, gonorrhea. <laughs> and it's good for hedgerows, screens, naturalized woodland areas, or integrated into na- uh, native plantings. I, you know, I definitely see the allure of this one. Um, there, there's a lot to like about this. What do you, what do you have for us for the lightning round? I have five questions. All right, shoot. <laughs> so first up, true or false? 
The female flowers do not contain calyxes. True or false, both the crushed foliage and fruits are highly aromatic, somewhat resembling the fragrance of lemon peels. All right. True or false, prickly ash does not benefit from occasional wildfires. True or false, it is possible to confuse prickly ash with black locust because of their similar bark patterns. And then true or false, it is the northernmost New World species in the citrus family. Okay. I am not confident at all. All of these were guesses. It was same here. Uh, un- yeah. Uneducated guesses. <laughs> <clears throat> So first up is true. The female flowers do not contain calyxes. I I answered it correctly, but I wrote that. <laughs> I was answering it false. They don't contain calyxes. Uh-huh. Not. I I didn't listen close enough. Next up is true. Uh, the foliage and fruits are highly aromatic, resembling lemon peels. Hence the similar family. All right. Then we have false. Prickly ash does not enjoy wildfire. And I, I answered that one. Say, say that I one did, more time. Wait. The answer was false? The answer was false. Okay. I answered so that appropriately, true, too. True. I did, too. <laughs> I did this. I wrote true that it didn't like wildfire. And like, I answered I, false that it did like wildfire. <laughs> <laughs> read the question. I think yeah, read the question. Prickly ash does not benefit from occasional wildfires. Does not benefit. Does not benefit. True. Because you oh, said wait. false, yeah. You said false. That it, false. Benef- it doesn't benefit. It's false. It's false. They do benefit. They do okay. benefit. All right. Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's what I was. Well, answering. Yeah, okay. All right. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm confusing myself now. Um, the next up was false. Uh, the common ID items of prickly ash and black locust are the prickles along their le- twigs and branches, and they both have pinnate leaves. Right. Where yet, Tom? I have. Three of the four. I have three of the four also. Let's see. We're going to need a tiebreaker. <laughs> it is true. It is the northernmost New World species of the citrus family. All right. We're both four for five. Mm-hmm. Not bad for, yeah. for for guessing. What's, what's a tiebreaker? Uh, am I putting it in my backyard? I'm going to let Tom, I'm going to be a gentleman. Okay, I'm going to say no. You're not going to put it in your backyard. I'm going to choose, yeah. I would have said no also, but I'll say yes. Just said that there's a tiebreaker. I'm not. I don't like thorns. (laughs) That would, that was the reason why I would have said no. So Tom wins. (laughs) Tom uh, gets that lead a little further. So just a little recap for the guesses. Christiane is in the lead with 12 I am in second place with eight. Tom is in third place with four. And then for the lightning round, Tom is ahead 12 to 10. So uh, we already know Christiane's not putting it in her yard. How about you, Tom? Uh, yeah, I don't think I'd put it in. Well, I'm intrigued, but I don't <laughs> know enough to put it in my yard yet. I would it's... love to see you add this over at Foggy Bottom for yeah. quail, quail I might, habitat. I might have to. Yeah, I'll have to look into it. First, I got to where i can find it because uh it's evident that pineland's nursery does not grow this plant no. not in 18 to 24 inches <laughs> <laughs> or or a foot and a half to two um 
I would put it in my yard. I have a spot. Like I said, I have a low spot that is down a slope that doesn't get touched. Um, and I think that – like that's where I was thinking for the hazelnut also. I think that mm-hmm. would, would be a good mix down there. And the deer kind of – that's how they enter my property. Maybe that would be a, a nice little deterrent so some of my other stuff could grow without getting eaten to the ground. So uh, great choice. Good job, Christiane. Uh, that is our plant for today. Uh, tune in tomorrow, and we'll have another uh, plant for you. And until then, keep it native. Thank you for listening to A Native Plant Every Day with Tom and Fran. Hey everyone, this is Fran and Tom, and we just wanted to give you a quick reminder to tune in every Friday to our other podcast, Native Plants Healthy Planet. Yeah, so on Native Plants Healthy Planet, we dive into all different kinds of subjects revolving around native plants and our ecology and having a healthy planet. We have guests from uh, from colleges, from other podcasts, from different nonprofits we work with, even authors. It's a really good time. We hope you join us over there. Make sure you tune in, and until then, keep it native.